0: Good morning, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. Our brand new weekend review coming up in about twenty-five minutes or so. We will also be live streaming it on Facebook. So, Hondo, who's producing the show today? You, you don't think we, we're pretty sure that my friend Uncle Carl hasn't lost his job? We just don't know where they've moved him. He seemed happy yesterday. We see. They move people. It's like musical chairs. I, I come in. You, people, they just move their offices. People's offices get moved all over the building, and you, you, you never know. It, so it's now this musical chairs. I have no idea. I need to find him for something. We think he still works here. We haven't gotten any memo, but he's not where he's been for years, and the person that's—I'm not even sure who the person that's in, where he he's— I, It is. It, it's kind of interesting. You come into this place, and it's just—you never know where people are, are going to be. And Right, Mike Spaulding? You know? i'm right here at 11, 11 o'clock you're, you're right you're right you're where you're supposed to be <laughs> i'm where i've been for you know i mean maybe a little different time slot but still in the building but you, you try to find these people and it's we'll figure it out mike spaulding you had an interesting experience this morning yeah this morning oh yeah to say the least it was interesting i okay. had a blowout tire yeah okay and now a blowout tire but what it's not i mean okay so that's always you never want to have that happen but what caused your tire to blow out what was what was going on? I hit a
1: pothole this morning the wonderful the wonderful winter weather is uh wreaking havoc on our streets, so yeah, I hit a pothole um one that i I wouldn't normally avoid, although now I will
0: <laughs> so where was the pothole?
1: It was uh on um Miller Parkway heading onto ninety four uh eastbound like on a ramp. Near the ramp.
0: Near I, the ramp. I believe
1: it was right before the ramp. You know, it's one of those things you don't notice until you hit it, and then by that time you're already, you know, a couple hundred bop. feet away. Yeah, and then you're, and then you're thinking, I think my tire's flat.
0: Oh, so it, now, so all right. Have you? Were you aware? I mean, I assume this is a route you take all the time. It
1: is. It is.
0: So you were aware of this you just is this a new pothole or you just didn't realize it was as deep as it was?
1: I'm not sure at uh, three o'clock in the morning the road's ah. pretty empty um, <laughs> not saying that i'm I'm swaying lanes, but no. um, it's not something you pay hundred percent attention to and it didn't look it wasn't like one of those scarily deep
0: ones right it didn't look like you were digging to China. you thought it, this isn't going to be a big deal, but it was a big deal it was it's it still is <laughs> <laughs> okay so now now I'm kind of curious your tire not just flat, but your tire has your phrase was blown up. It's three a.m. You got to be at work. I am just curious. What does one do at three a.m.? Um, if you're me,
1: you continue to drive on the highway because you don't realize that it's blown out, and by that time it's too late. So I got off at the next exit, and uh-huh. luckily there was a, a shop not too far away. So I just I
0: rolled slowly. And what, then just leave your car at the shop at 3 in the morning?
1: I did. Luckily, there, was, <laughs> there were people there, luckily, and I, I kind of told them. They took pity on me. It's, there were know, people there at 3 in the morning? They were. It's at um uh, Badger, Badger Trucks right there on um, oh, okay, St. Paul. So they were there overnight, which I'm very thankful for, and they were very friendly. And I got to wake my fiancé up at 3.30. Uh,
0: so she was super excited about that. Oh, and especially, and of course, the weather was so pleasant this morning. Not <laughs> it's the coldest a, day of the year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, see, I was, you know, as my little dog got up and needed to go out about two forty-five. So I'm out taking Sasha for a walk, and I guess I, I got the better end of that deal because uh, I got to go back to bed <laughs> as opposed to having a tire blown out. If I would have known, I would have called you. Absolutely. Well. Um, yeah, good luck with that next <laughs> next time or or not. Yeah, I'll tell you. Welcome to Milwaukee in the winter time, and for people who don't think we need road repairs, that that's the that is the lesson. All right, hey, we're still flirting. The uh, Dow Jones Industrial. I'm just I'm fascinated by this 19,962. It's never finished at twenty thousand. Um, it's it's close. Um, I. I wouldn't be surprised to see it gain that extra thirty-eight. I mean, it it will be sometime, whether it's today or whether it's next week or a week from now. It's going to hit twenty thousand, and the the only significance is psychological. But um, it is it is pretty close to that. All right, very serious story, and this this underscores what happens sometimes when you make the decision that you want to get involved. A lot of times, we talk about the stories where you have the pedestrian. The would-be victim that, for example, a couple days ago, the guy that's walking his dog, you get the two robbers that come up and try to rob him. He's a concealed carry holder. He pulls out his gun, and he thwarts the armed robbery, shoots and kills one of the bad guys, wounds the other. So it is a success story to the extent that, you know, you wish none of this would have happened. But— here you have somebody who's not, not a victim. If you're going to feel sorry for somebody it's not necess- being shot, it's not necessarily going to be a would-be armed robber. This is the flip side of this. 34-year-old, this is the way Channel 4 reported it, 34-year-old gas station clerk killed by a shoplifter Wednesday morning. Witnesses say he was beaten with a baseball bat. It happened around 9 a.m. at the BP gas station located near the corner of Lisbon and 27th Street. According to the preliminary investigation by the police, the gas station clerk chased a male suspect believed to be shoplifting. The two engaged in a physical confrontation, and the male employee suffered fatal injuries during the struggle. Again, this is what Channel 4 is reporting. Employees across the street from the gas station say the the clerk ended up beaten to death with with a baseball bat. And what they believe happened, at least this is what some witness is saying, the suspect stole things. The clerk chased him out of the store with a bat. The clerk threw the bat at him. All of a sudden, the would-be shoplifter... Apparently grabs the bat, so he gets the bat from the guy and then allegedly beats him to death. So this is one of these situations where, again, if that's the if that's the account, you've got the guy behind the counter or whatever, sees the shoplifter, chases him out with a bat, somehow either throws the bat at the guy or has the bat taken away from him or whatever, and then the would-be shoplifter turns and uses that as a weapon, and now you have the clerk who's dead. I want to open up the phone lines, one segment, 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Is this one of these situations that demonstrates the point that the police make on a regular basis that you should not get involved. If you're an employee, if there's or if you're just a standard victim, if you're going to be robbed, maybe you should just go along, let it happen. In this particular case, you're you're, you know, shoplifting, you're stealing something from the convenience store, I presume that there's cameras and things like that. Is this one of these things that illustrate the point that the police make from time to time saying you should not get involved because you run the risk of making the situation much, much worse? Now, none of this, by the way, is to exonerate the the would-be shoplifter if the guy did really turn around, somehow disarm the man and and attack him and beat him to death with a baseball bat. So none of this is to, uh, again— avoid controversy with that or to try to excuse the behavior. But is this one of those situations that says maybe people should not get involved? How do you make this assessment? And if you're working at one of these stores, how do you handle these kind of cases? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the AccuNet mortgage toll-free talk line. Because obviously this situation turned out very, 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 badly from the perspective of the employee at the store. We discuss in two minutes. If you're on the line, please hold on It's eleven twenty Jeff Wagner six twenty W T M J so very glad to have you with us on a Friday morning our inaugural Week in review, brand new week in review coming up in less than 15 minutes. He's one of the few holdovers from the last Super Bowl run. Does Morgan Burnett think this year's team could make it that far? Don't miss Packers one on one with Greg Matzik Sunday at noon, sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, New Generation RV and Sound Decisions of Racine. I, I wanted to bring up this story because it highlights the flip side of stories we often talk about. Oftentimes, we will have the story of the person who's armed, who decides to intervene, to stop the robbery, fight off the robbers, try to catch the bad guys, whatever. And, and it ends up, well, it ends up in a positive outcome, in positive outcome being the robbery is thwarted, the bad guy is caught, whatever. Whatever. That's that's what we talk about. But there is a danger and there is a flip side to getting involved, and that's the story um, from Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning you have a guy who's apparently trying to steal something at a BP gas station. An employee catches him. The guy starts to flee. The employee chases after him with a baseball bat. Somehow the would-be robber, gets the baseball bat and ends up turning that on the employee the employee ends up dead so now you have you've taken and turned what was a misdemeanor shoplifting situation into a, a homicide in investigation and you've got somebody that, that's dead and this is of course the flip side of, of that getting involved to me to me I think People, it is a good thing that people choose to get involved in these matters. At the same time, there has to be a sense of proportionality. For example, take the case a couple uh, days ago where the man was walking his dog. Somebody comes up and sticks a gun in his face. You don't know whether or not that person's going to kill you. You don't know what exactly the person's going to do. So in that case, he's got a gun. He uses it. He defends himself. And... It's unfortunate that anybody gets hurt, but at least in that case, it's the bad guy that gets hurt. In a situation like this, where it really just is stuff, and I do not get the sense out of this that the employee at the store was in in danger, you've got the shoplifter who's been caught, the shoplifter who's running away, at that point in time even though you'd obviously like to catch the guy because you know if he gets away he'll be shoplifting either at that BP station or somewhere else down the future. So you want to catch him, but you want to do it in a fashion that doesn't expose you to you know too much risk. And this is one of those horrible examples of showing how you take what is again a minor sort of crime, a crime but a minor crime, and you as the employee end up putting yourself at a lot more risk. So I am not discouraging people from wanting to get involved and wanting to start, stop criminals. But you do have to be smart and you have to have at least a little sense of proportionality. This is a terrible tragedy. I don't know that the DA's office has brought charges yet. I guarantee you they will soon. But in this case, another just a senseless loss of life. It's 1126, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So delighted to have you with us. We've got uh, our inaugural edition of our very new weekend review coming up in less than 10 minutes. So stick around for that. Wagner's rule of life number 14.5. If you are in law enforcement and you get pulled over for drunk driving, allegedly, it is never, ever, 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 ever a good idea to pull out your badge. This, this is, uh, I tell you. Uh, see, under normal circumstances, I, I'm willing to cut people breaks. And sometimes you, you'll email me and you complain about this, think I'm too soft. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm really very. I, I'm death on drunk driving, but I understand that mistakes do happen. And I think just because somebody makes a mistake, doesn't necessarily mean that. I don't know. They have to walk around the rest of their life with a scarlet A on it, But they're uh, wearing a scarlet A. But there's mistakes, and there's mistakes, which bring us to this story of the Milwaukee police officer who was off-duty, one of 21 suspected drunk drivers, arrested between 4 p.m. Friday and 6 a.m. Monday, guys 52 years old. Um, so this is over over new year's according to uh the story he's pulled over for lane deviation and i've seen the video guys weaving all over shortly before 6 a.m sunday blue mound road near north 63rd street he he's pulled over by a sheriff's deputy apparently when the sheriff's deputy comes up first thing the guy does is he pulls out his mp milwaukee police department badge so in the parlance it would seem he is trying to badge his way out of the drunk driving stop. Uh, the deputy calls for backup when the guy becomes uncooperative. And I've now seen they've released the dashboard video of this. The guy keeps saying, I'm not going to cooperate with you, the sheriff's deputy. I don't like you. You've got, got it in for me. And he keeps calling him. This would be the, the drunken cop, allegedly. Keeps calling the sheriff's deputy, Andy. And the sheriff's deputy says, who's Andy? And the guy keeps saying, "You're Andy. You've got it in for me." So he's apparently so blasted that he doesn't realize this. So then they they call the the supervisor, and the supervisor comes, and the guy still refuses to cooperate. On top of that, um, his Milwaukee Police Department service weapon is in a paper bag in the back seat in the vehicle. So he's been ticketed with first offense, drunk driving under the influence, cited for suspicion of illegal lane deviation, and he's also facing possible charges of recklessly endangering safety by use of a dangerous weapon and being armed while intoxicated, not to mention, allegedly, trying to badge his way out of the ticket. Now, typically, I have been willing to cut slack for, for people, and I don't think that just because you get pulled over for your first offense, drunk driving, which isn't criminal in the state of Wisconsin. I, I don't think that's something that should necessarily cause you to lose your job or things like that. Having said all that, getting pulled over for first offense, drunk driving, displaying your badge, having your gun in the back seat, allegedly. And again, you know, he, he refused to take the field sobriety tests being potentially so intoxicated that you have no idea who it is that you are dealing with or how you're dealing with them. That that might be the type of situation that takes it out of the ordinary case and, well, maybe more than just a slap on the wrist would be warranted. The DA's office hasn't issued charges yet because I think they're waiting for the results to come back from the uh, lab as to how intoxicated this particular officer was, but not a particular not a particularly good morning, I guess my other advice would be, number one, don't try to badge your way out of this if you're a cop, and and number two, if if you're going to start talking to sheriff's deputies, at least call them by the right name, for goodness sakes. It's 1135, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, so very glad to have you with us. This is the inaugural edition of our, our very new, brand new Week in Review. Now, I know Charlie Sykes used to do this. He'd have some political pundits, and I thought it was important to, I don't know, get perhaps a couple different voices in for some of the things that we were going to discuss, but but not too terribly different. Um, over the last several years, back back in the day when... There used to be a 3 o'clock news segment, and I think I did this for six and a half or 7 years, and we always had these segments where we would have guests from the community come in, and we'd call the segment What's Hot and got a chance to meet some very, very interesting people. And actually, we become fast friends over the years, and this sort of became, when I would fill in on Sunday Insight, these ladies became part of the standard group that would always come in and help me out, and I've asked them to come in and help me out and be regular panelists on our Week in Review. So for our inaugural Week in Review, and weeks following. I'm very pleased to be joined, first of all, by my dear friend Susie Falk from the Falk Group PR. Hello. Hello, Jeff. Thank you, you for having me. Oh, we got to turn on the microphones oh, there. Mike all right.
2: Isn't on. See, we're really new at this. How do we do that?
0: There you go. We've it? got it turned on. Okay, okay. we're set.
2: We'll see how new I am at radio. Well, there yeah. <laughs> but
0: you. But you see, but you, you've done TV extremely oh, well. So thank you, Jeff. Um, it's
2: an honor to work
0: with you again. Susie Falk, who knows everybody in town and everything about everybody in town, oh. and my other dear friend uh, Tracy Johnson, now from the Commercial Association of Realtors. Good morning.
3: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Now, for people who don't know Tracy, I you know some people think it was politicians. Some people think it was the Bucks. Actually, the truth is, you're the one that got the Bucks Arena built. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know if I can take credit for that.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. But it, I fall
3: in love with I've fallen in love with the Bucks over the last couple of years.
0: Outstanding to have both of you here. All right. There's a number of different issues that have been going on locally, especially over the last couple of weeks that I wanted to talk about with, with both of you. First of all, new study out this week that says this rapid bus line that they want to put in from the seven mile stretch downtown Milwaukee out to Freighert. Uh, The idea being it's going to cost, if they can get federal money, about $45 million. And they would be able to run, quote-unquote, high-speed buses, rapid buses, knock about 10 to 15 minutes off the time it takes to get from downtown out to Freightert. Forty-some million dollars. And new study out this week saying the only way you're going to be able to do that is to lose two lanes of traffic around either Blue Mound Road or Wisconsin Avenue, lose all that on-street parking Good idea, bad idea. Susie Falk.
2: Well, first, let me uh, preface this conversation by saying I know a lot of things about or a little bit about a lot of things and a lot about a few things but I don't know a lot about a lot of things so let's just (laughs) state that this is one of these where I don't know a great deal about this this report I know it is a new report I also know it was put together by I believe UWM um, urban planning students Um, it is one report Uh, what I'd be curious to find out and it is scary to think that some of this these um, lanes would no longer be available to cars what I would like to wait for is the county consultants Mm -hmm. report which is supposed to be unveiled in the spring. And based on that report, there will be a public um, meeting and the public can digest it and consider the report that the UWM came out with just uh, this past week and, you know, weigh options and look at it and say, does this make sense? I got a little frightened when I saw this recent report. I, I worry about the car traffic and, and, and the ability to drive out to freighter. But, you know, I'd like to, to hear from the consultant. Well, I
0: mean, Tracy, the, the operative thing that the, the I actually had I had the head of the bus union on the other day and, and he, he thinks this is a crazy idea. That's the head of the bus union. But one of the operative things that they say is that if you increase the, the these these fast buses, not I mean and the only way this works is if there's only if there's dedicated bus lanes, that you will increase bus ridership by like 9,000 people a day, meaning that people are going to get out of their cars. So if Susie's got to go out to Freyert, She's going to presumably drive from her home in the North Shore, park somewhere downtown, and hop on the bus line to save 10 or 15 minutes. It, does that make any sense to you?
3: Well, if you're going out to Freighter, and if you've been there recently, you will know that parking is a disaster. And I think for the employees, it is a disaster. And they're building more buildings every every year. Um, when you think about the cost of a parking space, it's about $20,000 per space. There's uh, the economics around this make sense, and it's about Milwaukee getting into the 21st century. And we're talking about something that will ease congestion. That will. Why do you
0: think it's going to ease congestion? You're going to have the cars that are only going to have half as many lanes. Well, we're you're... talking about for You think that you can really force people out of their cars?
3: I don't. You're not going to force them. You're going to give them a better alternative. Okay.
0: Because... So, so you say the employees. So the doctor who's making a half a million dollars, who lives in the North Shore, he's going to drive his Mercedes downtown somewhere, park it, and hop on the bus to drive out there?
3: Probably not the doctor, but likely there are many people around there, tens of thousands of employees who work there who aren't... Okay, so so we're
0: going to spend $45 million, tear up lanes of traffic, do away with street parking in front of people's houses, so... However, many employees there are at Fredert can take the bus. This is bigger of picture about
2: Fredert. This is about, this is about, this the is about connecting yeah. workers to jobs. This is about en- enhancing the cultural experience for suburbanites that are looking to visit the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra in its new facility across okay. from the Grand Avenue oh, oh, Mall. Okay, so, so all right, player. all right. So, all
0: right, somebody <laughs> who lives in Waukesha is going to get off the freeway, park their car on 70th and Blue Mound, take a bus. To downtown Milwaukee to go to the symphony when it's zero degrees outside, and then get out and take the bus back. What are you two
3: smoking? (laughs) This
0: Seriously. This
3: isn't an this overnight is, thing. It's about a culture. No. And I do Waukesha County has said they're in support of a BRT or the notion of this as part of a larger transit plan. There are lots of people on Blue Mound Road, lots of jobs being created out there that you can't to, get to.
0: But, well no, but the flip side is if you've got a business along this route on Blue Mound Road, people aren't gonna be able to pull into your business anymore because you're not gonna have access. You're gonna lose all these business space.
3: Well, and that's where, like as Susie said, the the county's Got a more comprehensive plan. I think what is very important, and she pointed that out right out of the gate, this was a UWM study, and I think it was not in conjunction with what the county would have put well, out. No, but,
0: of course, the county is the one claiming that you're going to actually increase ridership by 9,000 people a day. You look at the ridership right now. You look at the ridership right now. There's lots of these buses that are empty, or they have two or three people. To get nine thousand people a day, you would essentially have to have every one of those buses filled for as long as they're running.
3: Yeah, well, and what they're really talking about with this, with the BRT, yeah. it, it's really—I mean, it's almost like a like a dedicated rail line. I mean, it's that a different has,
2: experience. It is not your regular bus. It and in other fast. communities,
3: it's worked. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, no, no. You use the operative word, Ms. Johnson. <laughs> It's—it's it's a dedicated rail line. Let's be honest. What this really is. This is part of the, this master plan. The, the idea is going to be you put in these bus lanes and somewhere along the line somebody like a Tom Barrett is going to say, well, what what we do we need to now take this trolley that goes nowhere and let's spend $2 billion and run let's run the trolley out along the line. That's what this is really all it's about. It's connected.
3: Right? They, I think they can be connected, but with a bus, with BRT, you look at Cleveland, you look at other communities that have used this to really make meaningful connections to communities, and it's worked. And I think I think they're they're not they're not smoking anything on no, this. I don't they're think so using either. research. Let's
2: wait until the spring. Right, hear mm-hmm. from the consultant, to attend the public meeting. And besides, forty five million dollars. Isn't just out of our tax.
0: Uh, oh no no, that, that, no 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 That's we, gonna be like the trolley thing, right? Federal funding, That's it. It's it's not taxpayer the money. The set it's,
2: aside one point five million. Right, <laughs> for some it, of the technology. Right, right, it's
0: going to be. That's the idea. If they get the grant, which is a big oh, if. If they get the grant, it's going to be federal money, so it's like free money. We've heard that with the trolley.
2: I think it all works together, Jeff.
0: (laughs) All right. You're listening to The Week in Review. Jeff Wagner, Tracy Johnson, Susie Falk. We're back with more. Is the Hone Bridge unsafe? Transgender controversies involving Cub Scouts. It's all coming up. 1143 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1146 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. This is our Week in Review. We're live streaming it on Facebook Live Live. Susie Falk from Falk Group PR. Tracy Johnson from the Commercial Association of Realtors. Topic number two. All right. You both are moms. Uh, Cub Scouts involved in a controversy in New Jersey. There's this eight-year-old child, born female, who identifies as a male with the blessing of their mom since the age of five, enrolls in the Cub Scouts Cub Scouts have a policy saying, no, this is only available to boys, and you're not a boy. Tosses him, her, and the matter has gone nuclear. All right, Susie Falk, what do you think?
2: This shouldn't be a controversy. This is ridiculous. The Girl Scouts have trans- transgender students, and they, they've looked beyond it, and it's just not a big deal. This is Scouts. He's eight years old. He he wears boy clothes he identifies but he is a she he identifies as a boy the cub scouts policy and this is where it gets tricky is if you're a boy on your birth certificate you're allowed so who really among scouts checks birth certificates i'm
0: interested in a larger point you're a mom if your five-year-old son said mom i identify as a girl i want to be a girl at the age of five, now, you, you don't let your kid decide on bedtimes. You don't let your kid decide on what they're going to eat. Would you allow your child to decide what gender they're going to be? For
2: starters, I don't think they just announce it. I want to be a girl. I think they'd start maybe wearing pink dresses and dressing up. And I, would I squelch that? Absolutely not. You have to let your children express themselves. So, yes, I would let at my... At the age of five, you would allow five, your child to... Listen, I had, I won't name him, but I had friends in the neighborhood who had a boy who dressed in dresses and he is he's big into sports right now and there's no chance in heck he's a homosexual, but well, he was not, wearing it's, dresses. It's
0: not, a, it's not a question to me of, it of sexual a, a transgender. He right. he
2: was experienced. But you you would allow
0: you the 5-year-old you allow the 5-year-old to make the call as to what their gender identity is going to be. I would allow
2: the 5-year-old to express him or herself however they
0: would like to. Tracy Johnson.
3: This is such a confusing one. I feel like I'm working for the Boy Scouts right now because as a mom, I... I, I think I would be very confused which is what the Boy Scouts are are right now this is unchartered territory right this
0: isn't the, this isn't the um, the sexual orientation no. issue this is this is something different but
3: so. I, I think it's 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 interesting it's going to be interesting to see how the Boy Scouts dissect this and make the decision just like when they made the decision about allowing uh gay Scout uh, masters, scout masters mm-hmm. is because they they really looked at it and said listen this is the way society is going mm-hmm. we e- either need to go with it or we're going to be in the... Dark Ages, and so this is uncharted territory. I guess
0: I, I'm intrigued by again. I was getting into with Susie the, the sort, sort of the larger issue, though, which is: do do you as a mom allow allow a five year old to to make a decision like this with like gender identity? I you know that <laughs> we're not talking about having gone through puberty, nothing like well,
3: that. I, I would struggle with it. I, I I don't know because I haven't been through it, but I know that you do have to listen to your kids and i'm not sure what that communication looks like you hear stories but you know i think about i have a six-year-old and i i just i don't know
0: right i mean if your six-year-old said mom i I don't want to have bedtimes and i don't eat food and i want to have nothing but chocolate ice cream you would say no
3: i I would say no and and likely if i were posed with that question about you know my son i would probably fight back a little bit and, and probably try to talk him into what my norm is
2: you know, I think you you guide your children, and you know you want a, a certain life for them, which is happiness, sure. well being. The the boy that we are talking about today, he he was loving Scouts. He was accepted by his Scout mates. Um, there was nobody that had an issue with this until some parent.
0: Well, some parents had got an a, issue with some it. Some yeah.
2: parents had an issue with it. Okay, but the kids did not. The school where he attends, those classmates had no issues issue with this. So sadly, it is you know some outdated parent who is not getting with the times, that doesn't understand that there's nothing that's fundamentally unhealthy about being transgender. Well, it but, is a choice, but, Jeff. But but, no, but, it, but the choice?
0: question is, you're letting a five-year-old make that decision as to whether they're transgender, and you don't have a problem with that. I
2: don't have a problem
0: with that. I, okay. I don't have we, a problem we, with we, them. We, don't, we ident- don't allow five-year-olds to get tattoos. I mean, we, we don't, so you can decide that you're yeah, going to be a different sex. You and I will
2: sex. argue about this until, you know, we're I'm in our saying, graves. I, and
0: so. Just saying, I, I tell you, 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 okay, you're that mom. All right, let's switch gears. Okay. The Hone Bridge, um, over the Christmas holidays, uh, snow, yeah. black ice, Car goes off the Hone Bridge. A couple legislators raising questions about whether it's safe or not. I know you both drive that from time to time. When they rebuilt the Hone Bridge, they didn't, put, they didn't replace guardrails. So mm-hmm. right now there's a wall. The wall is a couple feet high, but there's not guardrails. Is the Hone Bridge unsafe, Tracy? Uh,
3: you know, it, it actually scares me sometimes to go over the Hone Bridge. It, is a, it presents the most beautiful views of the city, and I think maybe... Uh, the shortening the the guardrails may have been part of that. Well,
0: eliminating the guardrails. I mean, they've got the wall, but they took down the metal guardrails.
3: Well, I mean, and it presents a a better view of the city. It's part of the the greater lakefront gateway plan. So there's a lot of, maybe they sacrificed a little um, in the safety component to, you know, make it more beautiful and attractive. But I got to tell you, driving over that thing on a windy day scares the bejesus out of me. And I've run over that thing. It is steep. It is high. It is... Oh, no. I've mean, jogged scary, over it. I've jogged over it. Yeah, Very we do impressive. That at the wow, Marathon nice job. So,
0: is it unsafe? Uh,
2: Susie? Uh, I think drivers are unsafe, and I think that there is a speeding issue. I think drivers need to slow down on the Hone Bridge. What I'd like to hear is an accident report. I have no idea how many accidents happen per year, but well. if it's you know standard number of accidents as any other bridge, then I think it is safe. I have a dear friend who lives right at the other end of the Hone Bridge in Bay Bayview, and she drives it every day, and. And her, you know, view is that, look it, it's safe. You just need to have people slow right. down. And you need to police it better. I think well, that's a good And these the were problem. tough weather conditions, I too. Conditions.
0: I mean, you had know, icy yeah. conditions. I, the, the one thing that's interesting to me, too, is when they were doing the original construction, there were, as a matter of fact, one of the same legislators, Chris Larson, who is, you know, raising these issues, mm-hmm. he was one of the guys saying, we should put in a bike path, you know, a dedicated bike path over the <laughs> no whole bridge. Way. And, well, that, that, was, <laughs> that was my point. Okay, well, because you're going to have icy conditions, you're going to have 35-mile-an-hour winds, the last thing you need regardless if there's a guardrail or not is is bicyclists on the home bridge well,
3: well and agree. it wasn't until well it was 20 tw- almost 20 years ago that they really integrated into the highway planning i mean mm-hmm. that used to be a just bridge a bridge to nowhere right? the bridge right. that just kind of was there and right. i mean there are other ways to get to bayview and to the south side so yeah. Uh, you know, you have a choice if there's bad weather. Right.
0: I guess I think it's. I mean, I think it's a couple of things. I agree that it's issues of speed and weather. I, I would be curious to know why they took down that guardrail. What was it just? Was it just a, an aesthetic sort of thing? How much does it cost to put that up? Because yeah. driving over that is is a little bit scary. Okay, in less than two and a half minutes, we bring back by popular request a new version of the Right Stuff Awards. You're listening to the Week in Review. This is Jeff Wagner with Tracy Johnson and Susie Falk. It's 1156, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, so very glad to have you with us. This is our inaugural new edition of the Week in Review. I'm joined by my friends Tracy Johnson from the Commercial Association of Realtors and Susie Falk from the Falk Group Public Relations. Charlie and I used to do a feature at the end of every week called The Right Stuff, and it was a compliment to his Deep Tunnel Awards, but we wanted to end the week on sort of a positive note, recognizing individuals, entities, institutions who we think deserve some credit for doing the the right thing, and I wanted to end the week on a positive note as well, so we are going to be continuing The Right Stuff Awards, Uh, no Charlie Sykes to give them out, but i tell you ladies and i i am the thorn between two roses that that's kind of what this is here um these are our inaugural editions of the right stuff awards let's start with you tracy johnson your right stuff award winner this week
3: well you teed me up really well at the beginning here my right stuff award goes to the milwaukee bucks um they are delivering on their promise to really bring a team and players that we can be proud of right now there are two players up for the nba all-star the An- tacombo mm-hmm. which i love saying his name and uh, parker and they've got these great plans for the new arena, but I also think they're doing so much off the court. The Bucks Mm -hmm. Foundation, um, which was recently launched, is just making waves, and they are trying to make a difference with youth, sports, and health, um, and they're really uh, making a big effort with Mentoring Month in January, so I think we should watch for more great things to come with that. They get my Right Stuff Award.
0: Yeah. Susie yeah.
2: Well, good one, Tracy. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to top that one. But here is one for the. this cold temperature really makes me think about people who are homeless. And there are out there. When I took the Capitol, exit, Capitol Drive exit to get here, there were two people living on the streets. My my Right Stuff Award goes to McKennan Brown, who has been a longtime advocate for homeless people in Milwaukee. Uh, she was the founder of Repairs of the Breach. And now she's moved into a different neighborhood, um, but one that has a critical need. And that is at the corner of Center and 24th. Street. Uh, she and the help of a, a couple dozen donors have purchased a building which was a factory turned warehouse and now it will be turned into a homeless shelter. And it's not just to feed people and get them off the streets, especially during this horrible season, but it will be to help, um, you know, train them for work. Um, it will be to offer them some life skills. It will be, they're going to have a, what I've heard is a, um, an urban garden in there where they, they will help grow their own food. So McCannon and I salute you. I'm thrilled that this project is taking place. Thank you. You.
0: And my right stuff award winner for this week. Well, he, he's won a lot in the past. It, it's United States Senator Ron Johnson who was uh, sworn in earlier this week. Um, he he's a guy who's about making changes. I think he's made. Well, he stirred up some things in Washington by saying, you know what, floor time is very valuable. I think we should gavel the ses- Senate in session 24-7 to accomplish business. And he also says, I'm willing to take some of the 3 a.m. shifts. Now, I suspect that doesn't make him very popular with some of his Republican colleagues and some of his Democratic colleagues. But this is a guy who's um, all about getting the right stuff, getting the right things done. Ron Johnson has the right stuff. All right. Thank you, ladies. We will see you next week. It eleven fifty-nine. 1159- WTMJ today with Eric Bilstad and John Jagler is coming right up. Have a great weekend. Go Packers. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ.